Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Daily Bolt with your host, Dr. Jeff Tilley. Today's topic, so who is Jeff Tilley? Part three, the cost of integrity in science. Okay, so I'm continuing kind of this extended bio of myself in this podcast, and this particular one gets into some of the nitty-gritty stuff and the stuff that's really kind of determined that I'm on these podcasts with you today in a certain way. And it's some of the hardest stuff for me to talk about, but it needs to be talked about. Uh, I left off at the University of Alaska and heading towards the University of North Dakota. I'm not going to say a lot about my time at the University of North Dakota in this particular podcast. I might come back to that in a future podcast series, uh, other than to say that uh, as I had done at the University of Alaska and even at the University of Colorado and the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, one of the things that I have done throughout my career is reinvent myself in one way or another. And with respect to the University of North Dakota, that reinvention came about in the form of working on surface transportation weather projects, working with a high-performance computing center that was at the time located at the University of Minnesota, and working on military applications with them, as well as working on applications with uh, unmanned aircraft vehicles and weather modification uh, systems and cloud processes that go with those. Those were areas of the field that I really hadn't had much experience in, and I basically dove in and reinvented myself uh, to work in those areas. Uh, And that really makes me a very broad scientist in terms of where I started in my background looking at processes around mountains, looking at severe weather, looking at Uh, other uh, large-scale dynamics, forecasting issues, numerical weather prediction, you name it. Well, maybe not you name it completely, but uh, you name a lot of subfields within atmospheric sciences or meteorology, and I've uh, done work in many of them, which has made me a very broad scientist, which is in stark contrast to what most scientists are these days, which is incredibly specialized too specialized, in my opinion, uh, in that often it takes now four or five scientists to do the work that maybe two could have done before, partly because all the specialists can't really talk very well to each other. Be that as it may, and that's a more uh, of a subject for uh, a different podcast going into depth, uh, I'll move on from the University of North Dakota to Uh, the Desert Research Institute in Reno, Nevada, which is actually where I'm recording this particular podcast from, ironically enough. Uh, The Desert Research Institute, I was hired as the director of the Weather Modification Program as an associate research professor. Uh, I was supposed to do other research uh, along with uh, the weather modification operations, uh, planning, budgeting, uh, personnel, everything that goes into a weather modification program, including lots of media relations. Uh, I did a number of interviews. I did one for uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross on NPR. Uh, I was also on uh, CBS piece uh, and some other pieces that uh, occurred and aired originally in 2013 or 2014, and sometimes you still see uh, those being uh, rerun uh, when they want to talk about weather modification, and I'm gratified about that. But one of the projects I took over was the DRI portion of 
uh, a large weather modification effort funded by the state of Wyoming to the state of about $10 million worth of funding. And the DRI portion was less meteorology, it was more uh, trace chemistry and chemical transport dealing with cloud seeding agents such as silver iodide. Uh, and that was another reinvention in that I didn't know much about that when I started. I became an expert very quickly because I had to be intelligently speaking about it and planning our operations. And now we're getting to where the subtitle of this particular podcast comes in, in terms of the cost of integrity in science. Uh, the Wyoming Weather Modification Program results were not all, uh, always as conclusive as they have been, as they could have been. I'm sorry, I should have rephrased that. They're not as conclusive as we had hoped they would be, uh, particularly with regards to some of the trace chemistry. And this was something that was frustrating to the organizers, to the people who wanted to use uh, the results from this program as the basis for another funding request for a continued program in the state of Wyoming with a lot of money attached to it. And unfortunately, the results that we came up with at DRI, and we cr checked and we cross-checked things uh, with the Trace Chemistry Laboratory, uh, were definitely less conclusive than those heading up the project had desired them to be. And the final report for this project, uh, it may finally have been done. Uh, it was due uh, three years ago, and I've asked people around the field not associated with the project if they've ever seen it, and they claim to have never seen it. They don't know if it ever was really published uh, publicly. It may just be hiding away in a shelf somewhere in the state of Wyoming uh, offices of their Water Development Commission uh, with selected tidbits of it put out for publication. The problem was, with the work that we were doing with trace chemistry, again, it didn't provide conclusive results supporting uh, the goal of demonstrating the benefit of weather modification. Uh, and there are lots of reasons for that. There were reasons that would have required a lot more uh, effort and funding to dig into really, really deeply, and we didn't have those. So and when it came to my section of the final report, I put in that uh, the results were not going to necessarily be very conclusive. And I did present that at a conference uh, the next year in Phoenix. Uh, however, uh, we were supposed to present uh, a lot of these results to the uh, Bureau of Land Rec uh, Reclamation, Bureau of Land Management, at a meeting in Denver uh, in late 2014. And suddenly, the word came down through my boss at DRI that the program didn't want me to go and present my results. Instead, they were going to take the person who I replaced, who had been really out of the day-to-day -day operations for well over a year and a half, uh, and really hadn't seen the results in detail, to go and present results that were a, essentially a watered-down version of what our results were and yet my name was still supposed to be on the report. To me, that's not an ethical way to proceed. You present the data, you present the results that are shown. You don't uh, whitewash them and still put someone's name on it who's not even there to defend himself. 
And this led to me standing up to my boss and saying, if you're going to do this, you're going to take all of my integrity away, all of my reputation that I've built up as a scientist, and I can't, I can't do that. I can't let that happen. And the only choice I had was that I should resign. And my boss basically said, well, I'll be happy to accept your resignation if you can give it to me, you know, right away. Uh, and in fact, my boss at the time was not happy that I was put, uh, coming up with results that didn't support the line for more money. And he was happy to get rid of me and supported me uh, leaving in terms of my resignation. So I did resign and I left DRI at the end of 2014. And I found it difficult in the time since to land other full employment. And I've been given to understand that there have been individuals at DRI that have certainly uh, decided to have their own take on my resignation and basically invent stories that, frankly, are not true. But I still left, I still left with my integrity intact because I would not allow my name to go forward on these reports. I would not allow myself to be part of uh, a cover-up or a whitewashing of the truth. And there's lots of you out there who may listen to this podcast who are convinced that that's all that scientists do. They have an agenda, whether it's political, whether it's financial, uh, whether it's something else, and they jury-rig the results, or they cook the books, or they cook the data, or make sure the statistics tell the story that fits their agenda. Well, that's not me, and that will never be me. And as a result, I have gone from having a six-figure income to having an income just barely at the poverty line, uh, teaching as a part-time adjunct uh, in a small university in North Georgia and not being able to uh, have much time to do too much else other than these podcasts. Uh, and hopefully I'll be able to start getting my consulting business that these podcasts are intended to support off the ground uh, a little bit as we go forward. But you should know this all because I titled this mini-series of podcasts, Why Should You Listen to Me? Why you should listen to me about science is that I'm not going to ever give you a biased opinion. It'll be my opinion. I might be wrong. I'll be happy to have somebody tell me I'm wrong. But I'm not going to go out there with a particular political agenda. Politically, I consider myself kind of in the middle. And uh, when it comes to issues of science, like global warming, uh, I look at what the data actually say, not what I would like them to say, not what I think they should say, and come up with excuses as to why they don't say that. Uh, I'll tell you what I believe, I'll tell you why I believe it, and I'll tell you the straight story. I won't hype it, I won't uh, take it in one direction or the other. And you can trust me on that. And that's why you should be listening to what I have to say on these podcasts. That's going to conclude this kind of mini-series of a bio of me so that you know where I've come from, what I've done, what my background is, and why I think you should uh, hear what I have to say. So with that, I'll conclude this mini-series and hope that you've gotten some value from it. 
If you've gotten value from it, uh, please share, please like. Uh, let somebody you know listen to it and maybe they'll think differently about scientists as a result. We're not all out to have a particular political agenda or social agenda realized. Some of us are still out there doing the hard work, looking at the data, and telling you what it says, even if what it says means we can't give you a, a definitive statement. If you've gotten value from this podcast and from the other podcasts, again, please like, please share it with someone you know, and if you really think this is going to be valuable to you, please uh, join Pamela Sarbacker and become a patron of this part podcast. For now, that's it for the Daily Bolt. We'll return to science topics on the next podcast. For now, good night, good morning, good afternoon, and God bless.